0: Well, here Stan is, yes, here Stan is, and he is bursting and brimming with the mirth and magic of life. Oh, there he is, yes, there he is, and he is bursting and brimming with the mirth and magic of life. Bum. do do lo lo-do-do-do-do-do. Draftsman shoe. Yeah. Dude, dude, we're here on the Draftsman podcast to talk about something art related. (laughs) Let's talk about something art related, Stan. You start.
1: Let's just jump in. Let's talk about
0: scribbling. This is the Draftsman podcast, and we're going to talk about scribbling. Can you believe it? We're rebels. Do you have a way that you want to start or you want me to start us?
1: Uh, go ahead. I'm curious uh, what you have to say about scribbling. <laughs>
0: this is so bad. Can you sell it? With the main topic being drawing, yeah. there has to be at least one satellite cluster around there about scribbling. Uh-huh. And so, that's what we're going to talk about for an hour here or so. <laughs>
1: Scribbling doesn't just mean like with your pencil, I mean although, you know, we're probably gonna talk a lot about scribbling with a pencil but the idea of scribbling is more of just like exploring ideas, just kind of throwing stuff down whether it's text or little doodles with your pencil. It's the process of discovering things, you know, exploration.
0: Well, yeah, if you're gonna go for the figurative uh, view of it right away, why don't we start with the concrete process Mm. of scribbling. Let's start this way. This is a good way to take anything up. Make a spectrum. On one extreme, you have the really scribbly, so scribbly that nobody knows what it means. And on the other extreme, you have the really computer printer precision where every line goes down exactly where it's supposed to be the first time. And maybe before talking about scribbling, we should talk about the advantage of not scribbling. The person uh, who, when they have something to say, they just hit right what they have to say first shot. And that's not a bad thing. And if you can do that, why not do that? But last night in class with Vance, we're teaching this concept art boot camp and one of our students, Boyan, was sort of apologizing for not scribbling and yet, he is not lacking in imagination and ideas. They just go, they go down precise very quickly. Windsor McKay drew that way, Kim Jong Gi draws that mm. way. A lot of great improvisational drafters are that way and if they don't start that way, I think they get that way just out of efficiency. So, no demonizing of the precise types if they don't suffer from the side effect of not putting out. That's one extreme. Okay. If you can do your job and explore and make everything work with a clean precise line, Yay for you.
1: That's kind of the approach that I was taught at Watts Atelier. Jeff Watts has a philosophy that a drawing should look good at every stage. So if you put down five lines, those five lines should be designed really well. They should be they, they should be attractive lines. You should just look at it and be like, wow, that's a cool abstraction or whatever, you know. The line quality is good, thick to thin. You know, there's variation and the shapes just look dynamic and and not boring, they're just interesting to look at. Um, So, that is one approach is to just start and always have things look good no matter when you stop. That's the way I was taught.
0: That is most certainly not the way I was taught. Yeah, so we are opposites but both have benefits. Yeah, I've envied what you do because I'm embarrassed to draw in front of people because of the awkwardness of the line and it's like, well, I can make that line really beautiful if you just give me a few hours to work on this piece where nobody's watching and it'll be like watching paint dry but I'll be following the thick and thin of that line. It's just, it's a different, uh, they're two opposite extremes really.
1: Yeah, but there there is a benefit to the way you were taught. I mean, if you're a student at least, if you're not like at the level of Jeff Watts that literally every line that comes out Is beautiful. (laughs) If you're not there yet, this philosophy, this approach, can bring a lot of anxiety. You know, it's a lot of pressure, and sometimes you just need to scribble to figure out where you're headed. You know, yeah. Without the, the pressure of making it look good, so there, there is a lot of power in not caring if something looks good. There's a, it's a, there's a different purpose to this sketch that you're doing. It's not to present to others, it's to explore in your own uh, ideas.
0: Well, we're laying out a spectrum here. So, let's go to the other extreme. The other extreme would be the person who can only scribble. Yeah. They scribble and they never discover. And so, we'll rule that out. We'll call that a non-good thing <laughs> unless it's therapeutic. Yeah. Now, on that side of scribbling, you get Edward Sorrell. He was a great editorial illustrator, still active and he would carry the scribbling all the way through to the finished piece and I did not like his style when I first saw it. The same reason I didn't like Heinrich Clive's style is that I associated it with getting scolded for scribbling. Not that I... I don't think I ever got scolded for scribbling but yet it was so much of an icon of my generation that you're not supposed to scribble that I imagined getting scolded for scribbling. And it also might be why some people like Edward Sorrell's style is that it's uh, they associate it with defying the grown-ups <laughs> by scribbling. There is a kind of uh, I don't care what you think of this, it's like a raving madman just going into this manic flurry of words and then finds the words and they all make sense. Yeah. Uh, but those, those are two extremes. We've got the very clean and the very scribbly on a spectrum and we can chop off one end of the spectrum. And I think where we're headed is the scribbling to discover and then once we've discovered, refining that or simplifying it. Animators do this, animators will try it a number of different ways and then when they find it, it's not that they, well I guess you could say they refine it, but they simplify it. They take, they put fewer lines in there. They clean it up.
1: Yeah. So, what you were describing there with those artists is the scribbling is the art. It's not a concept, it's not exploration of thought, it's, it is the art, it's meant to be the final product, right? Yeah. So, we should just move past that. I mean, that's, that's we're just talking about style at that point where well, you could do whatever you want. Um, style is just your thing. So. Going, You know, now we, we going back to the scribbling to discover, I think it, first of all, it's important to note that scribbling is not clear communication. Art or drawing or the visual, you know, picture making um, is a language, it's a visual language and so if you are communicating to your viewers, scribbling is not a clear form of communication. Right. You have to start refining if you want to be clear in your communication. Mhm. I want to make an analogy here to writing because we can scribble with writing with the way we take notes and stuff like that or brainstorm ideas. It's not just important to clearly communicate your thoughts to other people. It's also important to communicate them clearly to yourself. Yeah. So for example, with writing or taking notes, Marshall, have you ever had this happen to you, where you have an idea in your mind, you write it down, you write down some quick, like quick idea of something, some some words to help you remember it later, and then. A few days later, a week later, a month later, whatever time passes by, you look at that and you have no idea what you're saying.
0: Yeah, sometimes the handwriting's so messy that I have to get out a loop and imagine how I was putting that that letter down to even figure out what it says. But yeah, the concepts too.
1: <laughs> not, yeah, not just your handwriting, but you you said some words. You put some words down that were supposed to be like entryways into the thoughts you had. But the thought...
0: The yeah, tho- <laughs> that's what happens with me all yeah, the time. But
1: the thought, <laughs> you you forgot the thought and so creating that entryway, that door to that thought is useless if you forgot the room that you're leading to, right? So, th- this is um, I think it's become an important part of my note-taking. Um, is to always when I take notes, I could have these quick shorthand ways of taking notes but I always have to go back and process them while they're still fresh in my mind. Um, So that I, future Stan, who I always have to remember that my brain is an idiot (laughs) and it's gonna forget, I have to speak to future Stan as if it's some other person and clearly communicate my thoughts if I I really want to remember this. Mm -hmm. I could look, I could think, ah, never mind, I jotted that down but it's not that important and I could just ignore it. But if it really is something I want to remember, I have to refine it, I have to come back and process that information once I have more time. Mm -hmm. The same thing should apply I think to scribbling with drawing when you're sketching. You can have an idea pop into your head and you can scribble it down real quick but then if it really is important to you and you like this idea. Try to refine it soon before this vision leaves your head because it's going to disappear unless you refine it enough to the point where it is a good enough reminder to yourself of what it is that this visual thing represents
0: to you. Yes, songwriters have said the same thing that it's the most important thing is to get the first impulse, the first intensity, the thing that brought up the idea in the first place get it into form and then later you'll elaborate on it but if you don't at least get that kernel unpolished as it is, then you're going to lose that kernel. Have you seen Elizabeth Gilbert's TED talk on the muses? No. Oh, she has a talk that I went through with a classic in just recently. It's about where the term genius came from and the idea is that we are vessels of genius as opposed to being geniuses. Okay. She is a celebrated author whose work I've been living in for the last year. And her TED Talk is related to this strike when the iron's hot thing. If the muse is giving you an idea and you're saying I'm too busy. Yeah. The muse will say, "Okay, I'll find somebody else." <laughs> and it's find a game of pretend perhaps, but it's a game of pretend that makes you take the ritual seriously that first strikes are very important and so even if you get them roughly, at least you got them. You got the seed, even if the seed is a little damaged, it can still grow into a good tree.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think the seed, it, we have to be honest with ourselves of how clear that seed really is. Okay, go ahead. It's kind of a bad habit to constantly come up with these ideas and jot them down and, and uh, have this fantasy that this has purpose, that this will actually provide us with some value. That, okay, we put this mm-hmm. down, it'll be there, we'll remember it. But the scribble is very temporary um, and so, it is It is a very good skill to be able to quickly refine your scribbles and you got to start practicing that skill as well daily. If you are somebody that sketches things and comes up with a lot of ideas all the time, you have to have a ritual a part of your routine to refine your scribbles, whether that's in words or with doodles yeah. because it's a bad habit to just jot down scribbles and, and then years later, all you have is a bunch of
0: doorways to empty rooms. That makes sense. That scribbling is a means to an end. Now, if we, if we bounce over to there, scribbling is not an end all, it's a means to an end. We're trying to c- communicate something clearly but we can't, we don't have a clear grasp of it yet or our mind is running too fast to be able to catch up with the train of thought, but at least we've got something to grip. This brings up what I think may be one of the greatest advantages of scribbling. And that is that it short circuits the ability to feel self-conscious. When you are chasing something and trying to grab it, you are not thinking, how do I look in front of the camera? You are in the midst of, of Striving for a very specific thing. And as soon as we get the idea that somebody's watching us and judging us, it creates that part that makes us unable to chase well. So, mm-hmm. scribbling, because it's meant to be thrown away, because it's messy, means, all right, I'm in private now. I don't have to worry how I'm coming across. I can worry about the thing I'm working on, the unself consciousness that it can trigger.
1: Yeah. To make your creativity be really wide, you have to constantly take risks and go down paths that you have no idea if they're going to work or not. Maybe even some just have a high percentage of failure but you want to explore an idea and you're okay that it's not going to lead anywhere. That's really what creativity is about. Um, You have to uh, be okay
0: Got your happy price, price line. I mean, this is sort of getting to the end right at the beginning. Here's why <laughs> I think it's a big deal. Okay. I don't know of a more important rhythm of creativity mm-hmm. than freedom and restraint, hmm. wildness and control, and preferably in that order, uh, especially on a project that builds in stages. If you're working on a hundred million dollar film, the closer you get to the end, the harder it is to change anything. But the closer you get to a live solo performance, the easier it is to change anything because there's less at stake. So on projects where there's anything at stake, there's a principle of diverging to begin, start wild, start impulsively, scribble. And if you don't mind going in the direction of Edward Sorrell, you can do that all the way up until... The end of the project. Scribble, scribble, scribble. But if you see it as a way to discover, it's sort of like you dig here and you dig here and you dig here and you dig here and you dig here, and you you aren't doing that much. But once you've found the treasure chest, now the job is to focus on lifting the treasure chest out and sorting through the treasure.
1: I don't know if I completely understand your you know, freedom versus restraint. What do you mean? Is there a balance between the two? Do they clash?
0: Here's what I mean is that Let's take the hundred million dollar film for example. This has happened on some films where they are ready to go to production, maybe they are even in production and then we realize we went about this the wrong way. This should have been set in a different setting and nobody thought of that. We should have cast it different. The casting on Back to the Future had to be changed once they started shooting. These are really problematic, expensive. Uh, issues to deal with once you're in production. But they are nothing to deal with if you're sitting in an office talking with somebody saying, why don't we cast so-and-so, oh yeah, or so-and-so, or so-and-so and then you change your mind. You're essentially at that point with low stakes to abandon anything. So, the natural rhythm for safety is to get every possible idea out of the way. Hey, did did I tell you last week, Stan, about the Goodby and Silverstein Masterclass? Did you?
1: I don't... don't The two
0: guys who do the commercials, they do so many of the Super Bowl commercials and for the last 30 years or so, they've just done some of the funniest, best commercials. Mm -hmm. Hello, for $10,000, who should... They have a master class, they're an agency in San Francisco and one of their associates was talking about when you go into a room with them for a session that when you leave, there's been no stone unturned. The agency is so good at what they do and you can see that inside that agency, there is a company philosophy is that before we commit to anything, let's consider everything. How stupid, how wild, how daring, how impossible, how risky, how ruinous, how wonderful, everything and that way, you have the freedom to not censor anything and then that's only half of the equation. That's the kindergarten side of the equation where you can be anything. At some point, you have to choose your major and narrow down. That's what I mean when I'm talking about the freedom and restraint.
1: Okay. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I think there, there always needs to be that, that option though to start over no matter where in the process you are. You know, because sometimes you do need to actually begin to find a problem with the solution you chose and you have to have the confidence and the uh the thick skin or whatever to to be okay with with the fact that you have to undo and and, and redo i mean pixar is kind of known for that they've they've been they they've like been really far in the process and they're like this story is not working and they start over i forgot what uh which movie that was like a really big thing on
0: well toy story took them something like 2 years to write the first script Uh, and they definitely had huge changes in Woody's character. Yeah, there's a lot of stories about that. Say,
1: you weren't thinking of flying, were you? Well. You know Andy loves toys that can fly. Really? Yeah, I think several other movies were like that, and that's okay. That's actually what makes it so awesome is they they keep exploring and they keep going back. They're like, nope, that's not working. We got to go back. And, And they're okay. They're not afraid to keep going down a path and find out if it truly is working and then when it's not, go back. Um, I think that, that that's what creativity is all about.
0: There's, there's a few ways we could go with this. Yeah. How much more do you have to say?
1: I have two big topics that I still want to kind of say something about. Um, one is, is um, a question that someone asked me about gesture drawing and scribbling versus gesture drawing and something more like the Riley method with rhythms and stuff with clean lines. I'm interested. Somebody was asking me because they were watching my figure drawing class my, uh, online and my gesture drawing approach is very different from like Nicolaides, right? In his book, The Natural Way to Draw, I haven't read it but you, I, you are very familiar with it. He scribbles, his, the way he does a gesture drawing is in lots of scribbles, very loose, getting kind of the feel for it with, with energetic lines, right? Yes. The way I teach it is to simplify, is to think methodically about it, get clean simple lines instead of um, uh, like an explosion of thought and feeling. It's to think about it, analyze it. So, they're very different approaches but they both work, they're both fine. Yeah. So, the the question to me was like, these are opposing ways which one is correct. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's not the way to look at it though.
1: No, it's not the way to look at it. These are, these are both just techniques. We talked in the last episode with James, I explained the difference between principles, concepts and techniques and trying to understand gesture with a technique is not the right way to understand gesture. Quick sketch is you're, you're, you're studying something specific. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we tend to study gesture with quick sketch but you don't have to study gesture you 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 could be practicing something completely different you could do quick sketch mannequinized drawings you could do quick sketch value you know value compositions um it could be anything but you know focusing on quick sketch gesture the scribbling versus the csi you know cs straight line uh, simplification those are techniques to practice the principles or the or the concepts of gesture. That's right. All you're really practicing is identifying the idea of the pose. What is happening? A gesture, literally like if I gesture you something with my hands or with my face, I'm sending an idea to you, I'm communicating something. And so, a gesture of a pose is like what's the body language, what's the, what is communicated here? And you could show that with any technique. I mean, you, you literally could sh- practice gesture with value as well. Like you could, uh, there's a lot of artists that actually just use the side of their pencil and they map the shadow and the light patterns but they're very gestural. They're still focused on the movement of the tones um, and how that shows the gesture of the bows.
0: And so, those are just techniques, it's yeah. the wrong question. A good way to look at it though, since people want that kind of which one's right, which one's better, Yeah. maybe the best way to look at it is to say, let's have you just draw, draw, draw and then after you've drawn for a while, look at it and say, what does this drawing need? What do you do naturally that nobody needs to teach you? Children don't need to be taught to scribble because they naturally do it, but then some children might be scolded for scribbling and so, they get too careful everyone's going to bias a different way but if you have a bias in one direction so far that you're scared of the other direction that's where you'd say let's do some exercises to balance this out and both that riley rhythm or precision or csi or simplify to one line and a subordinate line uh that should be a part of training but so should throw all caution to the wind and let the line go down faster than you're able to keep up with it to see what happens and that way, you're comfortable uh, playing the music improvisationally, which is difficult for some people and you're comfortable reading the charts and hitting the notes accurately, which is difficult for some people. It's to have the skills on both ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah whatever technique you choose to use, you have to understand the, the benefits, the strengths and the weaknesses of them and that um, you are developing habits as you practice this stuff. And so, one, you know, because I was trained by Jeff Watts and with the idea that every line should look good, um, I'm aware of the issue that if you're, if you're always practicing scribbling to communicate your ideas you can get into the habit of bad line quality.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Because you're always practicing scribbly messy lines and so, you're not training your hand to put down attractive lines with design, with with intent. Um, and so, if you do scribble, that's fine but balance it out with
0: some with some <laughs> good line quality practice, this is one of the main hazards of it is the inability to pull out of it a habit of sloppiness mm-hmm. yeah, we've talked about it before. Drinking has hazards if you can't not drink <laughs> yeah, yeah and scribbling has hazards if you can't not scribble
1: yeah, and having good line quality has hazards if you can't. Scribble if you can't, if you can't loosen up, up, exactly. (laughs) Yeah,
0: hey, here's a use of scribbling that I know about from experience Mm -hmm. it's scribbling as a last gasp of desperation to make a piece work, it's scribbling to redeem. It's that you overwork a watercolor, you put all this time into it, and you've just killed it by overworking it. Okay, but you just dump water on top of it and it shakes it up and it looks intentional or it sets up a new start and so you overwork a drawing and you attack it and you find that like with some people, the only way you can bring them to life is by attacking. You just go in and scribble all over that thing and that way there is a sense of this was a throwaway and it might bring it back to life or it may make a bigger mess but I, I know that I'm not the only person who's had that inclination. Yeah. And it is very seldom redeemed a piece. But when I think about it, it has. It has redeemed a piece that it makes it so that it's no longer precious. Barron's story would have students work on a piece for a period of time where they were invested in it and then he required that they would tear it up in front of the class. I had heard that story and I asked him to confirm it and he did confirm it and it was for that reason. That if you are going to tweak and tweak and tweak and you're not willing to destroy and start over, that you've got a habit that has to be worked on.
1: Yeah, the, the dumping water on it is really just having a fresh start. It's, it's the same thing that Pixar would do if they went, if they developed their idea too far and realized it's not working, they dump a bucket of water on it and, and, and it, there's still a kind of a ghost of what they did, but now they can take it down a different path. Yeah. Knowing where you know, one path failed, they can right. you know, go down a different path based on that. It's the same thing.
0: So, yeah, in a way, we're, we're, we're saying that you're, we're going to start over but it, it may be though that there is a sense of this looks awful, I'll mess it up and pretend I meant it to be that way. <laughs> that, to me, that's why I call it a last gasp of desperation. But that's a technique. That's a te- okay. By the time you get there, it's probably better and it would, it, if you can make it an enjoyable experience, it would be better to start over.
1: Sure. Or I mean, but, but really just use it for really as exploration. If, you didn't, if you're failing, spilling water on it, maybe it'll look good and it'll look like you succeeded. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of faking it. But mm-hmm. like, what's your goal here? Is it to trick people into thinking you're good, or is it to really communicate something meaningful?
0: <laughs> you know, uh, no, it was it was to redeem something that didn't work. Oh, yeah, to save face as much as anything <laughs> okay. else.
1: Um. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe it was not a worthy point to bring up, but I'm trying to cover, I'm trying to do the divergent yeah. thing. All the reasons we scribble, I'm sure I'm leaving out most of them. Yeah. But no, the, the main, the whole point of this is scribble to discover.
1: Yes. I think that's the name of the episode.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, we didn't even need to do this episode. All we needed to do was give them the title. <laughs> And the the bright ones will say, I get it, it's okay to scribble if I'm seeking something and when I find it, I mine it.
1: Well, Marshall, I think uh, we're coming down to the end here but I have a what's your thing that's related to uh, what we're talking about. It's something I've been really uh, invested in for the past like six to eight to nine months or whatever. I want to hear. The Zettelkasten method. Can you spell it or say it slowly? Zettelkasten. Zettelkasten method. It's a German word. It means slip box. Do you know what a slip box is? No. Imagine like a, a wall, a, a, a cabinet or a drawer full of, full of tiny little drawers that you can open up that have little index cards in them. Those are slip boxes. All right. Or I mean, they could really just be anything. It could be a bunch of shoeboxes stacked amongst each other. But that was, this method was developed a long time ago before computers um, and that's why originally it was with little index cards that were all connected together. Whatever your system is, you take the notes and then those notes kind of live there in this isolated place. And then maybe years later, you read another book And some of the concepts could be related to the other concepts you learned from that other book. Yes. And you take notes on that second book and they're all isolated in the other area where you took notes. I
0: feel the problem. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And so, you're never really connecting all these ideas together and seeing how they relate, how they contradict each other, how they support each other, how they lead to other ideas. They just live separately and sometimes you'll think... You'll, you'll remember something and be like, where did I read that and now you have to go scavenging for where you took that note and, and <laughs> going through all these books and trying to find it. Instead of having one system where all of your knowledge base lives and where anytime you add to that knowledge base with any notes from anywhere, whether they're just fleeting notes, your own scribbles, um, you're adding them to the same system. It's like a treasure chest in a way though. Kind of, yeah. And it's meant to be a a thing that you have a conversation with um, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff you put in there, you're gonna forget, right? Yes. But that's kind of the purpose is if you do it properly, it's, it's okay to forget because it's all about discovery and it's about using this second brain to help you remember all this stuff and run across things and surprise you sometimes. And if you have it organized, the way that the Zettelkasten is organized, it helps you go down these paths and discover things that you learned a long time ago and how they're connected to this thing that you're learning now. How? There's a really good book written about it. Um, It's called How to Take Smart Notes. Okay. If people want to learn more about it. There's also a really good uh, article kind of introducing people to it that I'll link to as well. It's on zettelkasten.de slash introduction Um, and that's a really good kind of quick, you know, half hour read to get you familiar with it but I'll I'll try to give my uh, interpretation of it. Okay. We take what are called fleeting notes which are like scribbles. Right. These are things that kind of they fleet. They come in and out. We scribble them down, um, or we take literature notes, which are we're reading something, we're absorbing a a video, um, or we're reading an article, whatever it is. It's some literature we're absorbing, and we're just taking notes from it. All of those notes are not organized, and that's usually where we stop. Right. That's the problem I presented. Okay. The next step in the process is really what. Makes it good, is that after you take your scribbles <laughs> or your literature notes, you process them, you t- you convert them into evergreen notes or permanent notes or zettles, whatever word you want to use. These are all they mean the same thing. The, the purpose of them is that they're permanent. You you have processed them in your own way. You understand what you're what you're writing. You're not just copying quotes from a book, you wrote them down in your own words and you you wrote them in a way that makes sense to you. So you try to keep your notes atomic, meaning it's one piece of information, it's not ten pieces of information, kind of all into this one thing which ends up being more of like an index of thoughts. This is one thought but you can make it as thorough as you want on this one thought.
0: Okay yeah it's the smallest beat possible smallest unit
1: yeah every time you you run through your fleeting notes or your literature notes you're going to organize them into permanent notes that make sense that's where the processing comes in that's where the real work comes in you have to think about it um and not just write it jot it down as a quick thing i have to remember the next step in the process after you you wrote this atomic note is to connect it to other notes that are already in your Zettelkasten Um, and you could either put them in an index like an entryway to a keyword or you can literally connect them to another note like you open up another note that's related and you you see, oh, I could actually say something else about that other thing and link to this new note because these thoughts are related and now I kind of add another sentence into this one. And, and create a link to the other one and, and it, it creates this, this web, right? And you can do that to as many as you want, you don't have to connect it to one. If this new note is related to five other notes that are in your system, you connect them all. Right now, people are thinking like this is a lot of work and it is. That's exactly
0: <laughs> what I'm thinking. It is. I, I was sitting here feeling uncomfortable because I was thinking, I thought you were going to make this easier <laughs> for me. You're telling me that I've got a lot of work to do once I've got those things down. No,
1: it's not easy, it's work but <laughs> <laughs> well. doing this has exponential benefits that come back. You don't put in all this time taking notes that you forget. Anything that you put down and you say, this is worth remembering, this is worth adding to my permanent collection of ideas. That means it's worth spending a few minutes connecting it to other notes. It's not just a, a way of organizing or cleaning up. That process, I've been going through this for like six or six to nine months now. This process of Figuring out what this is connected to that I've already written down is in itself extremely valuable because it forces me to think deeper about this information that I just learned and analyze how is it related, does it contradict and in doing so, it helps me discover things. It leads me down to other paths. Yeah. It allows me to come up with new ideas because just seeing two things side by side creates a new thing and now I have a brand new idea that I can now go and explore and that's how you become better at creativity. That's how you become more creative Um, and this sort of system helps you be more creative and I've never really thought of myself as as a creative person but now I, I see that it's really not about like are you creative or not, it's really about the systems you're using and how you manage your thoughts and your notes and, and just the process you have of, of managing your knowledge because th- like now, I'm, I, I, like I'm way more creative.
0: That is an evolutionary leap in yeah. you is that you went from the passive verb of I am creative which is well, what does that mean? Being creative has to do with what you do, what you accomplish, how you're able to make connections and so, your tools are helping you to lift up and get a bigger view of the map Mm -hmm. rather than being in the streets where you can't see around. Just the fact that you've lifted up over it and say, hey, I didn't know that right over here, this was connected to this. I am really sold on that. But here's, here's what I'm getting out of what you're saying that makes me uncomfortable. It's what I said already. I've got so many thousands of pages of ideas that the only thing I've done like this is to try to have keywords in there. To say this relates to composition slash guide the eye or something like that. And then the notes have still gotten so bloated that when I type in those words, it's just I've got 40 or 50 things that I've got to sift through. So the main thing I'm getting from this is that you've got to be responsible Marshall when you ideate, your, responsibil- your responsibility for having that experience is that you've got to go through some of the work of raising the child as well. Yes. You've got to go through some of the work of, of taking care of all of this grunt work which I'm, here is what I'm getting from you, it's not grunt work. No. It is pulling the camera up and seeing how things interrelate so that you're ingesting a blue hat view. The blue hat is the big view of what's this all about. You're lifting up and ingesting that by making those connections, getting more familiar with your territory.
1: Yeah, like so you have this problem where you have thousands of notes, you've put in a lot of time taking those notes but your system isn't made for you to discover and flow naturally through all of those notes in a quick way. Mm -hmm. Thus, in a way, that work you did put into it is more of a waste of time than if you had spent an extra few more, you know, another few minutes every single time but now in a way that exponentially grows your ability to go, you know, to discover new ideas and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, adding a little bit more time makes that effort you already did put in way more meaningful.
0: In a way, it's opening doors, it's building bridges, it's uh, making an opening in the fence so that you can get from one side to the other. It's seeing how one thing connects to another and I, I am sold, I mean, I understand the problem and I am sold on what you're telling me. Yeah. But I'm also sobered by the fact that I am in such habits of ideating, 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 ideating and then having to take forever to find it, that this would be a change of habit. Yeah. Now, is, it, is this related to that program, that app that you were telling me about when we did the Lightbox? Yes, it
1: is. RomeResearch.com is a paid app, $15 a month. It allows you to use the Zettelkasten method. It's not made specifically for Zettelkasten. It's just that they go really well together. You can use Rome Research for just like any kind of note taking, whatever. But it doesn't structure a Zettelkasten for you. You have to do it yourself. It's kind of like you can use Adobe Premiere to make whatever type of video you want. You can make an animation. You could you could make a a three D VR video. You could make a live action video, you can make a stop motion video. You, you, it's, it's a tool and you can have your own systems in place. This is a tool that allows Zettelkasten to work because other note-taking apps don't allow you to, to make connections between all, all these things. Um, they're more hierarchical. Yes. This note-taking system is not hierarchical, it is um, god, I forgot the word. Lateral? No, it's literally you can connect anything to anything else.
0: Yeah, De Bono's green hat is called lateral thinking but it's along those same lines. Instead of a hierarchy, it's just a like, 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 connected to, connected to, connected to uh, and it can create com- you can create complex paths of thought but each path of thought is sensible, there is a lateral connection.
1: Yeah, well, I just want to say Rome Research is not the only app though. Has the tools that will allow you to do this. I mean, you literally could just do this with a shoebox and some note cards. That's how it was used originally. Yeah. And I understand that me explaining this right now, like people are going to be confused. Like, okay, wait, so what do I do? <laughs> like, me introducing this is not a way to explain to people how to do it. It's just to present this idea. And if you're interested, you're going to have to do some work. This is not easy. This is not easy. But for the creative types who are thinkers, who are trying to develop ideas, who take a lot of notes, being extremely organized in those processes is going to be very, very useful for you. So, you know, look into it.
0: Okay. Here's what I'm getting out of it that relates back to the topic of this scribble to discover. Yeah. This gives permission to scribble, 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 scribble. You are allowed to go with any train of thought you want if you are willing to do the work... Of processing. ...discovering the connections and taking the time to shift into another mode, so it's... it's It allows you, it, it encourages the opportunity to not worry about it because later you're going to worry about it in a way that's constructive and makes everything easier later. Is that right? Yeah.
1: It's, it's sharpening the saw before you cut down the tree. <laughs> It's a little bit more work but cutting down the tree is gonna be so much easier and in this analogy, cutting down the tree is creating work. The purpose of this system is not, again, it's not to collect information, it's to create new things. Yeah. It's for, it's for writers, it's for artists, it's for researchers, um, it's for people who are going to create things, it's not for people who collect ideas.
0: I made it a point many years ago in my notes to separate them into resources which are other people's material. And then I have a few categories of this is my own material and that division has been important to me. But a lot of times it's you go to the other people's material, you go to the resources and research and then that gives you ideas for putting things into your own bucket of ideas and then when you're in your own bucket of ideas, you recognize that I need to go to other people to see what they've said about it so that becomes a dynamic.
1: I guess I just want to say if you are interested in learning more about it, I, I would go look at the links I have in the lesson notes and read more about it. My explanation was not meant as a tutorial of how to do it. It's something you have to practice doing but it's worth it, it's a really important skill. Yes. Because the earlier you start doing this, the better. Because you know, Marshall, you have already uh, a system you've developed for decades and all these notes you've, you've taken, it would be very difficult for you to take what you've already done and convert it to a Zettelkasten.
0: That's why I feel threatened by it more than excited by it. But I'd like to feel excited by it. I don't think this, is, this would be good for you. But I, I wish I had it. Right now, I'm relying on keywords.
1: Keywords are great, I use keywords in mine as well as little, you know, another way of entering ideas Uh, but the links are not just at the top of, you know, a keyword where all these ideas are linked with a word, these ideas are linked within the idea itself. You know, I'm saying something like for example, (laughs) um, I have right now I'm looking at a permanent note I have about how to process uh, literature notes and fleeting notes and turn them into permanent notes. (laughs) I I made a permanent note about that. And within the text of, of my explanation for myself of how to do it, I have links to one, two, three, four, five other permanent notes. Those five other permanent notes are the four types of smart notes. Permanent notes should be connected to relevant notes. Digest information to make it your own. Zettles should be atomic. Uh, Develop scribbles into complete ideas. And if I open each one of those, those in themselves are also complete ideas that are now linked to other ideas. And the reason that that's better than just having them connected with a keyword is that I, by reading it, I understand why I would go to that next permanent note because it's in the context of the note I'm reading. Okay. If it's just connected with some word like learning, it's like, well, okay, h- why would I click on this other thing related to this, uh, this specific note I'm reading? Just because it's also regarding learning? I have, you know, there's 50 other things that are related to learning but how are they related together? And if, if they're linked to each other in context, it inspires a journey through your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, you're reading, you think, oh, I, okay, now I want to see what this means and then you click on it, you go into the next one, you keep reading and then you skip some and then you're like, oh, I want to click on this one now because I know why I have this here and you keep going and you discover things you forgot about and it's much quicker that way
0: when it's in context. Yeah. This is talking about scribbling ideas. This is talking about freedom at the, in the brainstorming and the early stages of creative process. Uh, If we bring this back to drawing, the difference is we're talking about figurative scribbling or literal scribbling. Yeah. I did not know the value of scribbling to discover until I saw some of my best students become really good professionals. Uh, That they just had it in them because there's a Howard Pyle painting of a man on a horse and I think it was uh, Henry Pitts who did the book about Howard Pyle that shows how he began it with a scribbled line. And that had a big influence on Justin Sweet, Justin scribbles to discover. That's where I took the term from, Vance scribbles to discover, Domier scribbled to discover. Some really great artists had that as part of their process and they, some of them are people you would not think of as scribblers but they are not afraid. I think it's got an analogy to scat singing that uh, I don't know how to scat sing yet so (laughs) I can't demonstrate but Cliff Edwards, who did the voice for Jiminy Cricket and the Disney Pinocchio, uh, did a version of Singing in the Rain that has scat singing on it. Scat singing is fearless uh, making sounds that come out rhythmically, that some wonderful improvisations come out of it and I think that's the spirit to go about scribbling is that it is play and it is exploration and then when it becomes discovery, then we say now I'm ready to go to the next stage and it isn't just applicable between drawing and writing. Graphic designers often start very carefully with a shape and then they'll start to relate other shapes to it, but graphic designers also scribble and with, with vector image hoses that can put out perfectly clean vector shapes but give them in random and surprising arrangements would be a way to apply scribbling to discover to the design process. Frank Geary though, the architect, literally scribbles when he's in the first stages of designing a building of all things. So, I think that this is applicable to drafts people as something that the careful mind may not have considered with seriousness and that the creative mind can say, hey, let's spend a few days or a week to see how the principle of fearless exploration and even making a mess can lead us to things that we might invest in that we never would have if we were being careful.
1: Yeah. My main message I guess through this whole episode is when people hear the phrase scribbling to discover, I think it's very easy to focus on the word scribbling Mm -hmm. and forget about the to discover part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're not saying scribbling to collect. We're saying scribbling to discover. (laughs) Don't scribble just to scribble, scribble with a purpose. Usually after you scribble and you discover, you then have to refine to continue to discover and to continue to scribble. And so, refinement and processing of that information that you're scribbling uh, is required to discover. Um, so, focus on the discovery part of that phrase. <laughs>
0: That's the purpose. Uh, yes, if you're, if you're inclined to keep scribbling. Yes. And if you're inclined to jump too quickly ahead to I got to have the answer now, then scribble means multiple options, no investment, speed dating and then deciding. Yeah. Okay,
1: Stan. All right, Marshall. Well, I had a blast.
0: Yeah, this was enjoyable. (laughs) See you next session.
1: Yep, see you next week. Bye. Bye.